Hello and welcome to Sailor. Time to pause. I'm Sam and this is Gracie. Gracie. I forgot Hello, my name Gracie. for a moment. Forgot my name. Now, Sam, what's the? What, what, I mean, you've entered a whole new kind of chapter in your life now, haven't you? Uh, yeah, guess so. Yeah, do you want to say it? I have a new coffee machine. No, I'm joking. <laughs> my daughter has been born. Yay! Yay! And are you doing what's the what's the most kind of weirdest thing you've done out of tiredness? Uh, that is a good question. I mean, to be honest, they can't see you, but I'm looking at you thinking, blimey. It's How's amazing things? that he's even here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually, I don't think I've done anything weird. Maybe that's because I'm still in a state of tiredness and what I think is normal is weird. You know when you first, when, what should we call her the baby? The baby, you can call her Maisie. That's oh, fine. good. Yeah. We'll call her Maisie. That's not Maybe. her name. Her name's Nora, but we'll call her Maisie. <laughs> um, yeah, so Maisie, when Maisie first appeared in the world mm-hmm. and, you know, all this, the business had happened, it, did it happen in the hospital? It was in the hospital, yes. In yes. the hospital, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then that moment where you have to take her home. Mm-hmm. Is it scary though when you take take a new, a new life home that you're responsible for, or is it exciting? A uh, bit of both, bit of both. Yeah. Well, we all need a little bit of fear in our lives. Yeah. Because it keeps us on our toes. Yeah. It's it's the moments of where she's very still, and you stare at her for a long time, thinking, "Is she still breathing?" Oh. And then she takes breath, and you're like, "Okay." And you stare at her again. Is she all right? Oh yeah, she's all right. It's okay. I mean, I'd be worried if you were still doing that when she's forty five. But that is a very, um, I think that's a very natural thing to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll let you know when she's 45 if I'm still doing it. If you're still doing it, well, I'm, yep. I'm going to call for help. For her and <laughs> for you. <laughs> oh, you'd never guess what I've just been doing. What have you been doing, Gracie? You know, when you were at school, mm. did you ever used to like look out the window and see an adult walk past and think, oh, can't wait to be one of those? Yeah. Like, oh, I can't wait. I haven't got to be sat here learning geography mm. well t- the today was one of those moments where i just thought if someone had told me this is what it's like when you're going to be an adult <laughs> i'd rather add double maths science and pe only a simple thing i've been cleaning out my plumbing that's not medical i don't need cream i've got a new steam steam cleaner all right so I'm going nuts with it. I'm cleaning everything. So my flat has been cleaned within an inch of its life. But my airing cupboard, I've got a little airing cupboard. When you open it, there's just a, like a, not as if someone had died in there, but somebody maybe um, leaked in there. You know what I mean? Oh, right. okay. And it's yeah. been bothering me. And I was looking in there the other day and I thought, well, it's, it's because it's never been cleaned. All the skirt and ball. The person who was in here before was a smoker. So it was all yellow. Uh, okay. So I got the steam cleaner and I went nuts in there. And it did it to a point, but then I realised I've just got to get my hands in. Right. And it was minging. Mm. I feel I need to have a vaccination. Yeah. No, yeah. Sounds it's clean lovely, now. But you don't feel clean. It's not one of those jobs you can get someone in to do. Yeah. But it's just what you've got to do as an adult. So sometimes you just got to get on with things that you don't want to do. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Well done. Anyway, anyway. Proud of you. Well done. I come to you with clean plumbing, but a blocked tubing. 
In my oh. nasal area. Nasal <laughs> area. <laughs> got a bit of a cold so That's i do apologize i it's had my flu vaccination yesterday did you so i've got a sore arm ah, how come yes. you're allowed to have or did you mind me asking did you pay for it uh no i didn't i could have got asthma i get invited every year oh well done congratulations you got asthma thank you that's good uh, quite an achievement <laughs> ah, good yeah, you've got to have some perks, haven't you, to have mm. Exactly, yeah. I'll take one of them. Congratulations. Thanks. And do you feel like you got a little bit of a sniffle afterwards? Because sometimes people do. I had a lot of bogeys this morning. That's yeah. nice. Yeah. A bit yeah. like me and my piping and my plumbing. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you, needed, you needed a machine cleaner up there. I did. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I turned up at my mate's once and she'd bought these two. They looked like very, very thin cones. Not sure what they're made of, but okay. she wanted to try them out on us, me and my other friend. And what it entailed was you put in your head on the on a table with one ear still exposed to the mm-hmm. air, and she stuck the like the cone in the ear, right? And then she set fire to the cone. Okay. And the idea was that it would draw out all the wax. Okay. To all those. Eating or drinking whilst listening to this, I do apologise. And there was a moment where I had my head on the table, seeing that there was a flame coming out of my ear, thinking, "Why have I agreed to do this? <laughs> Why have I agreed to you to set fire to something this close to my head?" How far down does it burn? Does it, how how close does it get to your ear? Uh, not too close. I mean, we to be honest, I wasn't there for a long time before I thought, "No, I'm not doing this." Okay. Did you get it for now? Uh, I didn't, but my friend did. Yeah, she hadn't realised she'd been deaf for 10 years up until that point, so <laughs> all is well. <laughs> Sounds a lot like Matthew 8 versus 1 to 4, don't you think? What, cleaning out your plumbing? Well, you said she'd been deaf for eight years. Oh, yes. She was healed. Good point. Yeah, like Jesus healing the, the man with leprosy. Well done, Sam, that's such a beautiful link. Thank you. I'll, just, I'll try my best. I'll try my best. It's so, I think I've just got saved. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a joke for us this week? I do. Now, I've got to confess, this is a stolen joke. But all jokes are stolen, right? Unless you make them yourself. Yeah. So I don't need to say it and then ask for forgiveness. I only no. have to do that if it's really bad joke. Well, like it says in Psalm, Psalm uh, 23, uh, his mercies are new. Sam, you are like yeah. that thing in my ear. You're on fire. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> wow. Beautiful. Okay, where is it? Are you ready? I'm ready. I was admitted into hospital last week with terrible symptoms of peekaboo. They are transferring me to ICU. A few moments later... Ah, I get it. <laughs> Stop me a minute. <laughs> you a couple of days. It's like I see you. Yeah, that's part of the hospital. Um, you get it. I get it now. Thank you. you get it. it kind of links. It kind of links because you know you've got to be when you go in for treatment. You're at the mercy of other people, and yep. healing can happen. Yeah, you've got to not, trust. Yeah, and not always in a straightforward way or a way that we expect. 
Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I will stop and breathe in your presence. Just breathe. Just breathe. The two generals, the general two, William Booth and John Gowans. What do you think of old Wills? What do I think of as, as a, a leader, a person? A leader, a person, a friend, a... Uh... I mean, he was lacking a bit of a Turkish groom on his beard. Oh, he, he did need it, I think. I mean, the amount of food he must have had in there. You wouldn't want to see him eat a croissant? No, no. Did they eat croissants in them days? Uh, I don't know. Probably not. A Greg sausage roll. Oh, yeah. Oh, goodness me. That have been flaking everywhere. Yeah. Nightmare. That one word that he did when he was like at his weakest and his poorest, probably the most powerful and effective preach he gave. Yeah, I think so. I feel like it's his most remembered. Yeah. I'm a big fan of saying a lot in very little words. Uh, yeah. Get the message across nice and simply. That's, that's, that's my motto. What's the motto? I don't know. What's the motto with you? <laughs> <laughs> Right. Anyway. Sam, you know you said you're doing okay and <laughs> what's the weirdest thing you've done? <laughs> I think <laughs> we might be seeing it, hearing it now. Yeah. That's fine. Go with it. We'll go with it. Yeah. When he talks about Gowans and the general, that's where he talks about the leper, isn't it? Matthew 8. Yeah. Well, the story, you know the story of the leper? Yeah. Because I know it's about the man who got healed mm-hmm. himself, the leper. And I, all, I always find that really powerful that it was through touch. Mm-hmm. And Jesus could have done it any way he wanted. Yeah. But the significance of him doing it through touch. But I started to consider those people who witnessed it mm-hmm. and what they might have experienced too. Because he, this leper was, you know, is well known that he was unwell, wasn't it? And in that, in that moment when he's healed, I wonder if there would have been a uh, a time where the people who had witnessed it not felt guilty, but like really tra- challenged mm. about how they had previously interacted with him or not interacted with him or judged him. Yeah. And that seeing Jesus had, but isn't there that line where he says, will you heal, heal, heal me? Does he say something like, of course I will. He says, I will. Be clean. Yeah. And I wonder if those standing around would have thought, my goodness, (laughs) he's choosing to heal him. (laughs) Yeah. And then, yeah, so how much that would have made them stop and think Mm. as well. That it was so easy for him that he just, like like with the leprosy, they were all worried that if they touched him, then they would get the leprosy on them. Yeah. But how the power of Jesus through touching him, it was his Jesus's cleanness that was spread rather than the man's uncleanness that was spread. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you think they would do you think they would have thought that if I don't know anything about leprosy, I don't know if it was like a infectious disease. Um was it? Yeah. Well it they was. believed it. They, yeah. they believed it was, but but, but was also it? I think is it now a thing with if you touch someone with leprosy, that their condition or their symptoms worsen. It doesn't help them. Oh, right. I think. Okay. 
as a degenerative, that's a long word, isn't it? Yeah, because he also mentioned that the man with leprosy, he kind of longed for that touch, but yet couldn't receive it from anybody. He longed for that compassion. So Jesus, Jesus' instinct was to give him what he needed, what he wanted. And through that compassion and through the power of Jesus, obviously, miracles happen. And I think maybe for those witnessing it, yeah, it's an incredible, powerful, bonkers, dramatic healing. Mm. Like I say, it's the way in which it happened that probably was as powerful as the actual act itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think after it happened, the people who had seen it happen would have still been hesitant to get close to the man who'd been healed? Or would they have run up to him and also given him a hug or shaken his hand or I don't know? Or will they have still had yeah, that I don't doubt? Know. I don't know. What would you do? Good question. Good question. I think, I like to think I would have then gone up to him and also touched him because you've seen Jesus touch him and he was fine. So, like, patted him on the shoulder. Like, come on, mate. You're all right. I don't know. Yeah. But it's, it's like when Jesus was resurrected and you've got people that ran to find him and, like, ran ran to wrap their arms around him. But then you've got also, also people who, I can't remember who it was, who, who was it that had doubts? Thomas. Thomas, Thomas, who needed to touch, touch the hands, and because he wasn't sure, there would be a mix of responses because everybody's different and everybody responds to things mm. in their way. How do you think you would have reacted? I would have like probably would have gone up to him, but not wanting to. I would have been wary because I there would have still been that element of that because I wouldn't have wanted to hurt him because thinking that previously touch would have caused him pain so there would have still probably been and I wouldn't want that I'd be like oh okay yeah I don't know I think I'd be wary but that's the human doubt yeah like when I said I would have patted him on the shoulder maybe I would have gently like tried it out (laughs) (laughs) see what (laughs) happens yeah are you all right yeah yeah yeah. okay but then I think if there were other people in that situation around him I'd probably get like caught up in the whole wow this is amazing do you think that as brilliant as life changing as that was for that leper, that leper, that sounds awful. But we don't know his name, do we? No. Why they don't give him a name? Think of a name. Uh, Lenny. Lenny. No, can't call that. Can't say that. Lenny the leper. Oh, sorry. Um, can't do alliteration. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Brian. Brian. Okay, let's go, Brian. Oh, no, we can't do that because the life of Brian, and that's offensive to some people who are Christian. Um, uh, let's call him Percy. Percy. Yeah. Okay. And I am. I'm, I'm at this point. I am uh, again thinking from the point of view of people, people around rather than the person who has been healed. Mm-hmm. And it's that age-old challenge I have when I read stories like that. Do I recognise? Does something significant and massive have to happen before I recognise the power of God? Mm. And then I then think, oh, okay, is it possible to bring it down and recognise those things in the smaller incidents? Or do those, is the power of God only at work in the big and the massive and the transformation, all that? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know the answer. Yeah. 
because I guess I guess in in my life generally there's been no big powerful things happen but yeah I believe they could do I believe they would and do you believe they have do I believe they have yes okay I think from stories of people that I trust more so than stories of like random stories of people being healed I think through hearing it from people that I trust that they've been healed more so at the end where he says you know don't hang around and talk about this and tell everybody he tells them to go doesn't he and Mm. yeah what's happened with who is it but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gifts Moses commanded as a testimony to them okay so when you say about you know you trust more stories of from people not trust more but you you used a phrase that said quite easier to believe people that you know and you trust with their stories rather than or people yeah yeah because like there's there's things that you hear stories from people that could be just making it up yeah i mean i i i would i would agree with that I've, i've had people friends or just people that i know and you know, mixing their circles and stuff. And although it's, I've been amazed by the actual initial, whether it be a healing or just change, like a miraculous change in a situation. Mm-hmm. It's not just in that moment where I've been able to recognize what God has done. It is also in how that person has gone on to live it out. Mm-hmm in not just retelling it but more to do with how they've lived in as a result of that power yeah yeah um and i wonder if there's an element of that when he says to what are we calling him percy percy you know don't hang around here tell anyone go Mm. there's a lot of that in most of the miracles that jesus does he encourages people to go yeah not not stay in that point or that place go Mm. and then live it out yeah like live out that same compassion that jesus showed yeah to others and and i guess that draws us into that thing of when uh, neil was talking about you know drawing together the the challenge about others and sharing jesus's compassion like what happens in our lives and it going on to influence and be used with other people mm. in the lives of others. So it's not an inward looking, it's not an inward experience. Yep. Although it's for some, some people it's a very personal thing, but mm. but there's that challenge, isn't it? Then, okay, this is opportunity. How is this going to impact others? Yeah. Yeah. And like when Ian was talking about Job, he was saying that Job's, even though this was before Jesus' time or before Jesus had come to the earth, Job's words and what he said pointed to Jesus. So how can like how can we do the same, I guess? Um, mm. How do our words point to that compassion that Jesus showed rather than just just rather than just just compassion? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it gives it purpose, doesn't it? And yeah. meaning. It's it's kind of worthless if you you're if you experience the compassion of Jesus, if you just keep hold of it. Mm. that's not what we're meant to do yeah and if I, I guess if it is truly 
the compassion of Jesus, I guess that that kind of compassion is an infectious compassion. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's how you see it in people because it's just infectious and you want to do the same. Well, yeah, and it kind of, it's almost like it happens really naturally. You've got, if it's true compassion, it's almost like you can do nothing but share that with other people. Yeah. And like, I think, like I said at the start, how Jesus, it was Jesus's goodness that ref, that went to the man rather than the the other way around. Mm, um, I like that. I, I guess like that. that's how he went out and lived it out because he'd received that compassion. Yeah. And I, I back to what he was saying about Ian when he was talking about Job. The other thing that really struck me, again, there must have been a moment. I don't know if he refers to it, but there there is a moment where he recognises who God is. Don't know what that moment is. I don't know if he specified it. Can't remember. But uh, clearly, there's a moment where he yeah. he talks about the fact that he recognizes who God is, and it's bigger than his troubles and his suffering mm. and his pain. Yeah. And then it becomes uh, an outward looking thing again, doesn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think he said something about like we may be in great trouble now, but one day we will see God. And that's kind of all that matters. The same way that our redeemer lives, Job's redeemer lives. Um, we believe that we too will live in that same way. And I think with that, kind of going over to the Psalm twenty-three, like Psalm twenty-three f- for me, I've never in the past few months, I've never looked at Psalm twenty-three so much. It seems to just pop up all over the place because I was listening to the Phil Wickham song Psalm twenty-three. Uh, we did the reflections on Psalm twenty-three last month. And then Felix decided he was going to um, do Psalm 23 for his musical musings. And then it was also my grandpa's funeral not very long ago. Uh, and one of the Bible verses was Psalm 23. And I think that uh, the I'll dwell in your house for eternity, like just that knowledge that for my grandpa, he lived a life of compassion and love uh, concentrating on other people and then now he's kind of earned that reward of being in being with jesus again it's a real comfort mm. i think and that we kind of pray that one day we'll get there get there for ourselves it's nice to have been a part of a man's life who has lived that out and made it so mm. yeah if there was like a mission statement for life, I think probably Psalm 23. <laughs> mm, yeah. Because it, it, it touches on all elements of life, doesn't it? Mm. I was wondering whether there is, whenever I think of Psalm 23, I know there's that bit where it says, even though, it, you know, the walk through darkness and, you know. But you know the bit about um, he leads me beside. Beside still waters. Still waters. Yeah. I was wondering whether there, is um, kind of room to think about still waters being present, even in chaos. Mm-hmm. So I would naturally think of, and I think of still waters, I think, you know, peace, quiet, and away from everything. Yeah. Away from the hustle and bustle and stress and stuff like that. But actually, I start to think, well, when do you need to experience that kind of level of peace and stillness it is often in chaotic moments isn't it or mm. painful moments or when life is tough yeah 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 but then i start to think oh actually i wonder whether those still waters 
are in the middle of that mm. rather than separate away and where yeah. you go but they're, they're there and he leads you beside those still waters kind of amongst the chaos I don't know if that's theologically correct but I just started to, to wonder those things as I was reading it yeah yeah because I think last last month we kind of talked about that feast in mm. amongst our enemies and the kind of restoration and how when there is that chaos it's how useful it is to pause and reflect and acknowledge what's happened with a sense of this is how we heal and this is how we come through it so i guess those still waters are important throughout the chaos so yeah i'd completely agree with you i found a um a page where um people had kind of rewritten their version of psalm 23 yeah because felix was like david wrote psalm 23 about a shepherd because that's what he knew and i like the idea that we could kind of rewrite it with what we know as well but yeah, go on, sorry. Yeah, and I've, I've got one here, which really, like, I just like the honesty and simplicity of it. Should I read it, yeah? Please do, yeah, yeah. So this is Psalm 23, and it's been rewritten by someone called Rebecca Garrett Pace. Jesus is my shepherd, and I honestly feel sorry for him, because I can be quite a stubborn sheep. I shall not want... Well, that's the way it should work. But yet I always want for more. I'm working on it. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Jesus is teaching me how to care, to care for myself so that I can then care for others, to care for the earth so I can live in green pastures with still waters and not make a mess of them just because I can, to care for my soul which is fed by gratitude and joy and kindness. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Unfortunately, he keeps talking too softly for me to hear him, so I keep having to guess what the right paths are and go on a hunch and ask for forgiveness when I get it wrong. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. Well, that's just wishful thinking. I fear all the time, all the things. So much fear. But I am learning how to sit in the darkness and be open to what I might learn from it. And really, the most important bit is that you are with me. Your music, your friendship, your wisdom, your words, your kindness, your presence through others, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And you tell me that there's extra room at the table. And it's actually your table and not mine. So I should scoot over and make room and invite my enemies to eat with me and give them the last piece of homemade bread and extra butter, because that's what you would do. Which is annoying, but I know you're right. You anoint my head with oil. You protect and love me. You nurture, you guide, you heal me. My cup overflows. God, I am grateful. I am so incredibly overwhelmed by goodness in my life. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. And when the goodness and mercy are obscured, O God, help me know you're still there, always, forever. Amen. I like that. 
I like that a lot. I like the honesty and mm. yeah, and that bit about bit about being I will fear no evil, but the truth is I I you constantly afraid, which is yeah yeah, but it's having the courage to walk through it with knowing you're protected. Which leads us into the song that we've chosen called Never. And it this song talks about how in all life circumstances, whatever the situation, whatever position we are in our relationship with God, he's never going to leave us. He's never going to abandon us. And there is not a situation where he is not present. When this broken world is breaking me down When my tears and knees both fall to the ground 